No, I've coached several teams that uh, we started out very young. Uh, you know, expectations were were unknown. And, you know, going through the conversations with Tom, who has a great handle on, on the type of talent we have and the players that are coming, uh, got a great understanding of uh, what some of this young talent can do. I was excited. Uh, I was really excited about uh, our conversations and, and the fact that really seeing that him and I really hit it off right from the start. It is the 4th of July fallout. I mean, that's what you might as well call this week as we are withstanding the heat here in Western New York. Another exciting episode of Crossing Swords. I'm joining in. I'm, I'm guesting on this. I'm a guest in this household. Maniac joined by two personas of power in their own right. Of course, we're talking about Dwayne Omania and the funnel father, the funnel guy. Here right now, he's the funnel fan, the funnel guy. Gents, how are we doing this week? How are we doing, you know, this evening? Tell me all about it. Lead it off, Wayne. Uh, got through two weeks of hell at work. Put in about 180 hours in three weeks, which is uh, never done that one before. But uh, glad, honestly glad the uh, holiday is over. Uh, enjoyed my first day of golf in like three months yesterday. Shot a uh, shot a 39 or a 40. I think I shot a 40. So I'm, you know, I'm having a good time right now. I'm enjoying life. Oh yeah. Big time. I remember those days back at, back at Serto when we would, we would be pumping out the cases. Unbelievable. Oh, Unbelievable. Dude. Just that. So like right now I'm in, I'm in talent acquisition for healthcare. So it is legitimately 24, seven, seven days a week. This, this recruiting train does not stop. And it will not stop. So it's been crazy at work. Um, you know, just kind of following a little bit of the hockey news. We got some good stuff coming out. But just, you know, living my best life. It's all I can do. It's all you can do. What else can you do right now? Seriously, sports are maneuvering, quote, unquote, their way back. But, folks, speaking of back, don't call your chiropractor. Lindy Ruff is back in the NHL. He's back behind the pine, pointing at refs and doing other stuff and being all angry for the New Jersey Devils. Gents, I'm just going to say my initial take right there, the NHL's better when Lindy Ruff's in it. That's all I'm going to say to start it off. But what do you guys think? I, I uh, oh, oh, please. Please. oh, all right, yeah. No, I oh, 100% agree. So I kind of think the way that it fell out, not not in Dallas, but because obviously his longest tenure was with the Buffalo Sabres. He's still one of the 
one of the best li like living coaches of all time. I mean, it, it, the record speaks for itself. He's been a great, he's been a great head coach when he was there, but I think he had some fallout with some of the younger players and it just didn't really pan out towards the end of his like coaching career. So I think one thing that he was able to do, I think he was able to take a step back when you jump into that assistant coach role or even take a year off of coaching in general, kind of reabsorb, you know, what the NHL is turning into, the direction that these players are going and the direction that these teams are going. And I don't think that New Jersey could have made a better hire. I think him being away from the game as a head coach for as long as he has, I think he's been able to take in a lot. And I think it's going to work out for him in the long run. And not to mention, they have a lot of, you know, really young talent on that team. And it can't get much worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can't That's imagine right. I can't imagine that it gets much worse, but I have a lot of faith in Lindy and seeing him back behind the bench, pointing, swearing, going nuts. It, it, it fires me up after, after a few OJ, uh, you know, we're having a couple of cocktails fires me up big time. You know, absolutely. I'm going to do my, uh, my best Marty Baran impression here. Uh, yeah, Lindy, uh, very good. I, I am very happy to see him back be, uh, behind the bench in uh, New Jersey. Uh, you know, a very young team. You know, you have Jack Hughes and you know, P.K. Subban and uh, Nico Hirschire. You know, I think, you know, he could do a lot of good. And if we bring in Mike Greer as an, uh, you know, an assistant coach, I, I think that, uh, you know, they could have some good things happen over in uh, New Jersey. Jimmy Hoffeland, I, I can't wait. You guys, are oh. both, you guys are both cooking on me with this hot soap. How, how hot is that Greer to New Jersey take? Is, is it tepid is it you know you're gonna burn your hand where are we on that room temperature i think right room temperature? room temperature okay okay so it's only getting there but it would be amazing to see uh mr greer join lindy in new jersey but yeah i mean just his style it's tough it's gritty it's what yeah you know young talented players need when they're transitioning into the nhl i mean truth be told i remember when lindy ruff got fired from the sabers i mean i feel like the explanation for his firing was, well, you can't fire Derek Roy, so you got to fire, you know, Lindy Ruff. I mean, you couldn't fire the players at that point. It's very interesting. Yeah. I think that we kind of – it was a little bit of a didn't know what we had till it was gone when we let Lindy Ruff go. I think we've uh, felt that as a Sabres in it. But with that said, when he comes back ultimately to – he's going to come back to play the Sabres, let's say, you know, 2021, 2022, when, uh, you know, fans are allowed – What's his reception going to be like in Buffalo? Welcomed again like he was at the Stars? Standing I ovation. Would, I would be shocked if it was anything less than a standing ovation. If, you know, parents, grandparents in the stands, tears running down their eyes. I can tell you right now, standing ovation. There's, there's, nothing, but, I can't, there's nothing but love for him in the organization. I can't think of any other response. You mean, no. do, you guys remember, do you guys remember when the, was it the day of or the day after they fired it was when they were still building the Harbor Center and they yeah. put all those banners outside the arena thanking Lindy for his time in Buffalo. I mean, the love for there's no love lost for Lindy Ruff in, in the city no. of Buffalo. He still, he lives, still here. lives here after. Still yeah, Clarence. He lives here. yeah, you know, you know, a lot, all those guys, you know, look at Rick Dudley lives in Lewiston. Uh, you know, like all those guys still live here. And just, uh, you know, it's a shame the way things ended. I'm glad he still, you know, especially, you know, um, with the downfall of, you know, Breer, Drury, and then just everything that happened after that. Just um, it's really cool to see him get another chance after Dallas and how that 
panned out as well. You know, he got a chance to, as an assistant coach, not just in the NHL, but uh, at the uh, in the Olympics. It was in the Olympics or the national uh, national level. So I think like, I'll piggyback off what Tristan said. I think it was a good thing for him to take a sit, step back and as an assistant coach and learn a lot about the, uh, the direction the game's been heading in since, you know, he was with the Sabres as a coach, you know, um, it's, it's a lot different about, of, of a game since then, you know, the, the game's a lot different. So yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm rooting, I'm honestly rooting for him after this, you know, you know, I, I hate this hit, but New Jersey's my team after Buffalo now, at least in the East, just because of him. I was talking about yeah. this with degenerate Al. It's like for the first time that I can remember, <laughs> I legitimately have another team. I kind of felt it when like Pominville went to Minnesota, but now, like, I'm going to be genuinely, genuinely interested in how the Devils are doing. If they get off to a strong start, things like that. So it'll be very interesting to see. You guys alluded, uh, Dwayne, you alluded to the Drury-Ottawa incident, obviously. But that was the thing. Lindy was known for those, you know, tell it like it is, very genuine, very, uh, you know, by the skin of the seat. Besides that moment specifically, you guys have any other favorite ones? Uh, before you guys kick it off, uh, and we'll start with Dwayne, I guess, if, if he's got something. But my favorite one was when OLN and, like, Versus started for the first time, and they really started interviewing coaches uh, on the bench for the first time and essentially the middle of the game. And he just wanted nothing to do with it. He couldn't wait for those interviews to be over, given a short one- or two-word answer. Oh, thanks for the time. Send them on their way. Lenny, just very blunt, great guy. I mean, I mean, the guy you want leading your troops. He, um, he the way he played. For me, for me, Maniac, it was uh, – it was – maybe you can correct me, Tristan. After Miller's concussion and the Lucic incident, who was the guy that hit Miller? He got, he got suspended for one game. Jordan it was, Tutu. Uh, it was a Jordan Tutu, that's right. And Lindy lost his mind after the game. Jordan Tutu? Jordan Tutu? You're, you're like, my goalie's going to get hit by Jordan Tutu after everything that happened. You know, gets lost. Like, just lost it. Absolutely lost it on the officiating. And I, I think that, I mean, I think the league's hands were tied in that situation. Well, it made it easier that it was Jordan Tutu and not like a premier player in the league. Like, we guess that, I guess Lucic was at the time. They couldn't suspend Lucic, but I guess you can spend, we can suspend Jordan Tutu for a game. But Dwayne, that was one of my favorite moments. Dwayne, you know what's really fucked up? I'm like, I feel like a kid in class where you're going around the circle, you're introducing yourself, talking about something that you, you know, something that you're, you did as a kid or some shit like that, and you just gave the same answer that I was about to give. That's how I feel. I feel like a child back in class, yep. except 200 pounds heavier, and I have, <laughs> a couple of, I've had a couple of cocktails. So, I'll, hey, I'll stall, I'll stall for you, Jordan, Eric, stall. Um, love it. What about? I mean, they're basically the great thing about Lindy too is he would always call out the officials like specifically on the ice. But then there was one time, <clears throat> I think it was Darcy Tucker. I don't know. He's a real pain in the ass at the Maple Leafs or whatever. Ruff got furious at him after I forget who he hit, but he's like, I have not called the league office this year. I'm going to call them 10 times tomorrow. It was like such a spiteful statement. Like, like it really like resonated because it was real. You know what I mean? Did he ever throw anything off of the bench onto the ice? That's a legitimate oh. question. Ooh, ooh. Remember when they lost a fit? Was it they lost a Philly? They lost the And someone uh, threw a cup at him? Yeah, a cup of beer I at him. Remember, I remember I, I, that. He grabbed, I forget whose stick he grabbed. He grabbed somebody's stick and tried to go up into the yeah. stands. 
They were, yep. I remember they were all pointing. Like, the coaching staff was done with the game at that point, and they were like, we're getting whoever that person was. That was a ridiculous moment. Yeah, I mean, you know what? In Buffalo, sometimes we romanticize, you know, athletes and everything. Speaking of, like, you know, putting Brian Mormon on the wall of fame for the Bills. Just, like, sometimes kind of, like, ridiculous stuff like that. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, rough with the Sabres was the real deal. I mean, only uh, two coaches to win 500 games while only having coached one team. Only two coaches have done that, and he's one of them. I mean, he's got to be, for, for, <laughs> for that record, he's got to be tugging off Dominic Hasek big time. Let's oh, be my God. Totally yeah. honest, big time. Dude, they've, well, been, they've been airing, uh, just speaking of Hasek, before you find that way, They've been airing the classic games on Eastern Conference Finals. I was, I, was watching your, I was watching your posts, and I felt like I was back at the game. Dude, not back at the game, but I felt like I was, I was watching it again. Imagine being on the concourse at, you know, HSBC Arena, Marine Miller, whatever, you know, during that era, up 2 nothing in the second intermission with Hashik. I mean, what would you even be talking about? You're talking about the next game, basically. Yeah. yeah. You leave, and you leave, you leave the arena for the right reason. <laughs> if, you, if, you score, if you score two or three, even two goals with Hashik in that, you're, you're feeling pretty good about the, the outcome of that game. That's just the way it was. You know, back then, I mean, granted, for a while there, we were known as the hardest-working team in hockey. You know, especially at 96, 97, I remember going to big games and my dad's wearing a hard hat. And, um, you know, but teams weren't intimidated. I mean, they were intimidated to come into Buffalo because, you know, you had to deal with guys like Ray, Barnaby, May, Bobby Boopner, the boogeyman. You know, all these hard-hitting, hard-nosed, blue-collar, you know, blue-collar hockey players. But you know what, man? I, the teams, they were really afraid of get, you know, intimidated by who they were shooting at. You know, because he was the, the, the best of all time. And, you know, on, back on two goalies on Mike, any, every goalie we've ever had on, the consensus has always been, whether they were a Sabre alumni or not a Sabre alumni, it's coming straight from the mouth of only the goalie himself. Hashik was the greatest of all time, without a real, doubt. Real quick, can we jump back? Again, we got onto the Hashik train, and here's the deal. When it comes to Dominic Hashik, I could go for hours. I mean, this oh. this could it could not stop. We could do a four hour episode. Not that anybody would listen to four hours worth of podcasting, but it could happen. So we're back onto the topic of Lindy Ruff and you know your favorite moment, your favorite memory. And I remember. So this is my personal experience um, because my my grandparents held season tickets from 1970 until 1989. Um, so they had a they had a long history with the Buffalo Sabers, and my mom always told me, or my grandma always told me, you know, watching watching Lindy Ruff play on the ice, it was the least graceful thing in the world. But he was a bad, bad fucking dude. So I kind of like to think that like he's not one of those guys. He's not like a, he's not flashy. He's not a. Um, Who's the who's the coach of the the, the jacket? Uh, John Tortorella. He's not a Tortorella. He's not so, gonna win, not gonna win any style points. No, no, so definitely he, not. He he's quiet. He kind of holds to himself. But when shit hits the fan, he goes. So obviously, besides that moment against Ottawa, when he's up against the glass, and he would have kicked the shit out of anybody. He would have beaten the shit out of anybody on that Ottawa team at that very moment. Again, oh, absolutely. You, you mentioned the Jordan Tutu incident. Um, 
I like to think about in my mind, like one of my favorite memories as a kid was him going up and, and, and saying no goal into the mic when yep. they, you know what I mean? But you know, right what after they fa- lost the finals. Yep. You know what my favorite memory is? And it's totally irrelevant to hockey. And I'll tell you this right now, my favorite moment. So obviously it's a big thing. Train wreck sports. We all spend a lot of time pre COVID again, pre COVID um, at music on main street. So right in the heart of Williamsville, we're all on Main Street, we're all the Irishmen boozing. I don't remember if I was drunk or Lindy was drunk or I don't know what is happening. It was, it was a great time. But so we're sitting there, Degenerate Al points out Lindy Ruff and I'm like, holy shit, what a God, what a goddamn, what a legend, what a, what an absolute G. Grabs his old lady, they're playing music and he just starts dancing with her. And you know what? It has nothing to do with hockey, but it has to do with his love for Buffalo. And how many players do you know? Again, a lot of people end up staying in Buffalo because of how amazing city it is. But like, just to see, and again, this is totally, like, like I said, totally off hockey topic, just like watching him in Williamsville, like a normal guy hanging out with his wife. I think, I think one of his kids was there too, but like, just he's like a you know he's a normal dude these are all normal people at the end of the day they all have you know personalities and lives of their own just really good to see these people around in buffalo it's so good for us as a whole and i'm very happy at his his second chance in coaching and i i i literally wish him the best of luck but every time we play him i want to absolutely rock rock the devils Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, I uh, side story. Uh, back when I think I was still, I was just starting out coaching for Depew. Um, it was at you know Fireman's Park, the Depew Ice Pavilion. If you ever played there, uh, Tristan. But um, Beautiful, Lindy's right? son, yes, Lindy's son was on a team there, and apparently I was like walking and I was walking into the rink and I was walking along somebody and says, yeah, because Lindy's getting, Lindy's getting yelled at by that parent right now. I'm like, what? When your house getting yelled at, he goes, yeah. And like Lindy, you can see he's sitting like his, the, the door of his SUV is open and he's sitting there talking, nodding his head, like, like, like kind of like just this disheveled look on his face. And I'm like, that, no, you know, one yells at Lindy Ruff. Apparently his son was being a little too physical on the ice that day. And a parent was upset. <laughs> and she was giving it. She was giving it to him. Hey, I'll tell you what. I don't care if you are like the one of the most winning coaches in Buffalo history. Uh, if you're getting too physical at a youth hockey game, they're gonna give it to you. Hockey parents are unlike any others. It's true. I've got stories about that too. That's for a whole other yeah. segment. Well, another oh, one yeah. of your four-hour podcast. But like, just wrapping that up real quick. The greatness of Lindy, like we, I think we all said in all those moments, is the relatability. Whether it's yelling at the refs complaining about the officials after the game to the reporters, being blunt with the reporters, saying no goal instead of giving, like, you know, a lengthy speech, like maybe a, like a presenting coach would. And, yeah, just all the things he did that made him the everyman of Buffalo. So, I think from everyone on this show, definitely wishing him the best of luck on any of uh, those dates in the future. And speaking of dates in the future, we have off-season schedule. I mean, for the Sabres, unfortunately, this is what it's all about, gents. But – very interesting how it's going to be structured. Uh, not going to be a lot of runway between the Stanley Cup finals of this season and the beginning of the 2020-2021 season. Dwayne, you want to, you want to kick this one off or me? Uh, I'll, I'll kick it to you, Tristan. 
All right. So there's a couple of things that I've been thinking about as I've been reading more and more on the uh, the back to play scenario and what they're and what's going on right now. So again, having had a couple of cocktails, the first thing that I think about always goes to, and I don't know why, but like the 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 comedic aspect of all of it. Have you guys you guys saw this? Did you guys see the Simpson movie? Oh yeah. 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 Epa. Eva. So all I can picture is them dropping a giant fucking bubble, a giant like mass over Toronto and over over Edmonton, the same way that they did Springfield. So in my mind, because I don't really have I'm not a I'm not a thinker. I kind of like I kind of I do things on the spot and I'm not very smart. But like in my head, I, I hear that and I'm like, oh, you know, they keep talking about this, this bubble. And I, in my head, I just, I just, all I picture is, is Springfield completely entrapped. But the way that I was thinking about it is, you know, do, do I think hockey is still going to happen? I'm still 50-50 on it because I, I just genuinely don't know. I think they have a great opportunity ahead of them if they do it the right way with no sports happening. This could be this could be really good as you know as a whole, but if one person gets infected inside of that bubble, if some of if one of these guys in Toronto creeps out, you know, trickles away from the bubble a little bit, heads over to you know Zanzibar, or you know happens to stumble into the brass rail, what does that mean? It almost feels like a it almost feels like a like a Hunger Games type situation where like it's like one of these players tries to come back into the bubble and like what do you do like like push him out like all I want I want to know like like so it's obviously the bubble I'm thinking they only have like one or two entrances and these are like locked down I mean clearly there's gonna be one extra way out of the bubble like everybody knows that but where's it gonna be who's gonna have that connection like can you sneak Chick-fil-A into the bubble? Like that's going to be like, you know, <laughs> the dilemma that's going on with these guys. I mean, but yeah. It's and, like what said, happens, yeah. and what happens if your Chick-fil-A is infected with COVID? I, we, I, I just don't know. Slippery I, slope, slippery slope. I just I'm just slope. thinking, I'm just thinking of the, that the, the end of ET there uh, where they're like <laughs> all in contamination suits and shit, just like getting sanitized and stuff like that before they enter the bubble. Just, Shit like that, man. Like, I like that. I mean, is that what's gonna happen? Like, I don't know. But um, well, or is it like, or is it like Walking Dead, where where it's like the governor? So you're in Walking Dead, and you know you have this this village, and the whole like the what is it? The, the perimeter of the bubble is gonna be surrounded by by guys with assault rifles. And if you happen to get a little too hammered, because here's the deal, these guys are going to get together and there's probably going to be a lot of, there's going to be some heavy boozing. I can only imagine. Oh, you can't, you can't keep these guys, especially the younger ones contained together in like, you know, and not expect somebody to want to let's just get fucked up. Like, like, like there's nothing else to do. You're not going to see your families. Like, you know, like, like what, do you, what else are you supposed to do? You know, I mean, obviously yeah. you want them to concentrate on playing hockey, but at the same time, it's like they're also gonna be you know, like a, like gonna live their lives. I, I don't know, man. I who who was the guy? Who was the guy from Vancouver? I forget his name. Um, he oh, took Horvath. a shot at Leipzig. Yeah. Oh no no no! I it wasn't Horvath. Horvath. No, the Le, Le, Leip, Leipzig. He took a shot at Leipzig with the worst crew ever hat. Uh, he got he got in trouble because he got COVID. We went out 
uh, you know, broke the rules and uh, went out and uh, partied at a club and then got caught COVID and, and brought it back to the team with him. Isn't, uh, wait, isn't Leipzig the one that just got all the flack on social media? For yeah, yeah, but, but this guy was in one of really the Really good guy. Yeah, he, you know, he, but he was giving him shit because he was, he was in one of the pictures that Leipzig posted in that thread and he called it worst crew ever. So he was throwing shade wearing a worst crew ever hat out while taking pictures at a club. While doing that, he got COVID. Um, what was his name? Uh, it literally happened a week ago. It wasn't Tanner. It wasn't Tanner Pearson. It wasn't – I don't remember who it was. Oh, shit. I forgot who it was. Yeah, I'll but tell I, you right it, now. Jake Bertanen. Bertanen, yep. Bertan and it was Bertanen. okay. I got it. I got it. my my intern MacBook Air got me there after seven tries. So, yeah, I mean, let's just face it. This is an era right now where just nobody should be saying anything. Let's face it. You see, Gobert, he was talking the big game. Of course, he got COVIDed. You got Vertan in here. Worst crew ever. More like you're out of the bubble, buddy, because you got COVID. I mean, it's just an era to be quiet. You been voted off the island. How like it, tell me it's not just me, but like you know I don't it, it again it is what it is, but like I don't have the biggest following whatsoever. I you know drank a couple of beers and some people liked who I was, and it is what it is. But like, how terrified are you to like not just post anything on social media, but like private messages, this and that? Like I'm so terrified of everything around me. I feel like I'm in a bubble. I feel literally scared to, to message somebody back. <laughs> we, I don't know we, we do <laughs> live in like a gotcha era of social media. It really is. If you make one the wrong step, you got people upset with Nate Geary when we're out at the match with Elbers for not wearing a mask. It's like we're out on the golf course. I mean, you know, what do you want to do? It's, it's a tough thing. Everything is so subjective. A lot of people believe in different, you know, things, different methodologies right now at this time. But, yeah, luckily we're not in the bubble. We don't have to put up with that food that they're putting up with. But uh, do you guys think there's any advantage for the Sabres here? I mean, let's face it. There's going to be 24 teams that are in full gear pretty much for this uh, period of time. You know, Stanley Cup, the, the qualifies, everything will start ideally next month. Uh, again, we're crossing our fingers on that. Speaking of crossing swords, crossing fingers. But mm – -hmm. Basically, every other team is going to be, you know, gunning it. And then there will be two months before the start of next season, hypothetical December 1st. I mean, do you think that the Sabres can actually find a benefit in that? Or is this time off kind of making up for how close those are going to be? Dwayne? Well, well, here's one thing. Uh, now, the teams that are not involved in this playoff, like, are they allowed? I mean, I think they are. Are they allowed to – discuss trades or any and anything like that right now is that allowed no okay. no no october 9th october 9th october 9th okay the, yeah that's that's like the but, new deadline for like trade talk that october 9th is the new july 1st if i'm not mistaken right it is it is october 9th baby yeah okay i just wasn't sure if that just applied just strictly to all teams in general or non-playoff teams were allowed to have discussion okay so <laughs> I think that's a huge advantage to Kevin Adams because with him being a new to this role, he can at least, you know, you know, get, you know, he can at least get a feel, not just a feel for the job, but there's just not a ton of pressure right away to make something happen. He can have discussions. He can hire a staff. 
you know, I was excited to hear about Rick Dudley up until, J uh, you know, John Worrell broke that news yesterday. That's probably not going to happen. So, you know, it, I guess it really depends on the, t the type of staff, uh, you know, Kevin Adams brings along with him. Like, if he was bringing a Rick Dudley with him, I'd be through the roof right now. Yeah, but I also feel like I get nervous, too, because I feel like – and it's, this is funny, too. Well, it's not funny at all, but I'm sitting in my basement, and we're refinishing it, so it's a, it's a total shithole down here. But I see this big beam in the middle of my basement, and it's essentially holding up the, the upstairs, which is a good thing because, you know, you, you need the upstairs. But I look yep. at that kind of like the, uh, the, the Pagula pole, and in my mind <laughs> – I like I kind of like in my head I picture Kevin Adams with his right arm handcuffed because I think he's right arm dominant if I'm not mistaken his yeah. right arm is handcuffed to the pole and all he can do is reach out as far as that pole will possibly let him maybe if he has a stick you can try to like take a swing at something that might be beneficial for the Buffalo Sabres, but I kind of picture it like he, he's handcuffed to the pole and whatever's good for him is within two inches of his grasp. So again, that might just be me making up crazy metaphorical situations, but tell me that doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. It's like that commercial with the uh, old guy with the fishing pole with the dollar. He's like, oh. Almost got it. <laughs> well, that's, the same that, thing. You know, for me, man, what I like. when I when I when I saw that that news break, well, not really a news break, just that tweet from John Morrow yesterday that he had it on good authority that there was no chance at Rick Dudley anymore, that there was actual mutual interest, but it started to leak that you know, um, more or less the po the power struggle that that, that would be entailed if Rick Dudley were to come in and, um, you know, pretty much he, he wouldn't be allowed to make his own decisions, I, I guess is kind of like the, you know, the gist of it. If, if that is the case, man, it's just like, you know, if you can't get a guy like Rick Dudley to come here who lives, literally lives here, his contract just ended, all the pieces are seem, like seemingly falling into place. I mean, who the hell are you going to get here? Like, like I, I just don't where get it, is, man. And where is he going to go where he can make his decisions? Is he going to have another general manager job he's going to go to? I don't think so. I don't think there's another general manager job waiting for Rick Dudley right now. So I, I don't know if I believe that narrative necessarily because, like, he's not going to be able to go anywhere and make any decisions. But but you're, I think I see the angle, like, you're working at, like, yeah, you know, it's Adam's new in the role. You don't want to have him doing all the legwork and just basically telling Adams what to do. But yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if he could have added uh, Adams could have added uh, you know a nice piece to the uh, staff because obviously he needs all well, the help, the expertise, the experience that he can get at this stage. No doubt about it. And Rick Dudley is just one of the most respected minds in hockey. I mean, the guy, the, you know, he's set, he's been around the league, and you know, you know, shout out to you know Brett Buda. Like a lot of teams are, you know applying his methods into the way they scout and use analytics and you know you know when it comes to video scouting and things like that and a lot of teams have utilized like his methods so I just don't in judging from the way that the team has downsized their scouting staff and are leaning towards more of a video scouting system it just only makes sense that he would want to to be here um I again I just you know 
if this if it's true that you know there was a disagreement between you know I don't want to use the words power structure, but how decisions would be made uh, between him and the Pagulas, you know, I, I, for me, that, I'm so, it's that, so cool. It's, that I, I, that's what I'm, that, that's what I'm reading. That, that's what I'm reading. You know, Chad Dominicis has been reporting that. Um, John Waro from the Associated Press has been reporting that. And he says he has it on good authority uh, from what I read on Twitter, at least. And if that's the case, man, you know, the word Pagula is starting to become to me as a, as a Harry Potter fan, what Voldemort is. I just don't want to fucking hear the name anymore, man. Like it's just, I the, the thou shall not be named because that's the type of evil we're starting to deal with. And I hate saying that, man. I hate like, like, cause I did, like I said, I defended that family for years up until the last about six months ago. And I just, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. Can we, what, Maniac, what do you got as the next topic? Because I was going to jump into something totally separate. Well, we're going to go into the NHL, but real quick. So I know, obviously, like, it's not a mystery. We're discontent with the State of the Sabres. What's one or two things that Kevin Adams can do, what, what the staff can do, by December 1st, 2020, when this new season's starting to get, that can get, like, you know, back on the confidence bandwagon? Doesn't have to be player-specific. Is it focusing more on, you know, Get revamping that scouting department. I mean, what do you guys want to see? What do you want to hear from him? I mean, is there anything? You... Is it just, or is it just one of those situations where even when McDermott took over the Bills, they were so deep in the drought that it was that even though he was saying the right things, it was like you were just stuck in the molasses. You were stuck in the quicksand until the team does the one thing that can finally get you out and quote unquote solves everything winning. I'm telling you, I mean, you nailed it right on the head. At the end of the day, it comes, it literally comes down to winning. I don't care about a Royal blue Jersey. They could go back into the slugs. And as long as they're winning, I don't give a shit what they're wearing. I don't care the state of the arena that the dump that it is. I do not care. And no other fans will care as long as they're winning a couple of, I mean, it's tough to say because I think a, a lot of times free agency isn't how you create a, a, a competitive team. It's not how you like build a serious foundation. So much of that comes from, from draft picks and making the right moves. So I, you know, I guess free agency can be a part of that, but there's like no specific player that I'm looking at in, in my mind. That's like, who's going to come here and fix the Buffalo Sabres. I think a lot of it has to be done on the back end. Um, I'd love to see the the bottom six get revamped again. I think me and me and Dwayne have talked about this a million times. You know, you talk about the Johan Larsons and Zemgis Gergensons and, and all those other players that have just been around there forever. I think a lot of times, you know, you're in a cap situation where you're either above the cap or you're at the cap floor. And I would love to see them bring in some of the younger players from Rochester and just really, really like give them a chance and play them and, you know, try to put them in the right situations. But like you, I mean, you need to update the, you need to obviously upgrade the scouting department it, and there's no, there's no, shock about it you need to obviously do something with the analytics side of it because that is such a huge role not just in hockey but all of sports and there it's a fact so I think in my mind I would love to see 
an overhaul, which has already been done, but I want to see what they do with scouting. I want to see what they do and bring in for analytics because I think that's going to be a huge part of the Sabres in the next five to 10 years. But I want to see just, I want to see changes in the lineup that we haven't seen in the past three to four to five years. We've just been seeing these players. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Zemgis Gergensen. He's, I, I love him as a fourth line player, but we drafted him, what, 14th overall? What was it? Hit, Grigorenko was 12. He was 14. Latvian locomotive, baby. He was a Latvian locomotive draft. At, at, at some point, you have to be part of the, the solution and not just in the, in, the, in, the muck, in the muck of the problem. And I feel like a lot of these players are. Well said. Um, you know, again, uh, before I get to my next point, just to clarify – it was it's believe it was believed to be a situation where Dudley would have wanted to be a, like a VP of hockey operations, and the Pagulas weren't willing to give up that role or give that role to anybody. So I just I just read uh, what Chad Domenesis said, uh, according to John Warrow as well. Um, but ju- piggybacking off what Tristan said, um, you know, and I'll actually quote what Risto Linen said in one of his Zoom interviews is that, you know, all Risto has done, even, you know, back in, you know, you know, before he was drafted is lose. Just lose. It's all he's done is lose. He's never been a part of a winning culture. And all these guys, with the exception of Jack, when he played in, you know, in, in Boston and with uh, Team USA before that, all the, like, all these guys have done is lose. Like there's no win. There's really no winners on this team, outside of again maybe Darlene and Junior, you know. So how do you take a bunch of guys who have done nothing but lose, and then at their ages and how long they've been in the league, just teach them to win? Like just teach them to to take that get get that losing culture out of them, and then teach them to win. And just playing hockey for most of my life, that's not like an easy thing to do. Like you just don't, you just don't turn a bunch of guys who've just been losing their entire lives and just turn them into winners. That's why I think a guy like Rista Lyon just kind of has to go and needs a change of scenery because it's just, just grown so, so so accustomed to losing. Um, but I am so on board with just literally just a complete overhaul of this roster. And I'm not saying you got to bring in a bunch of guys who have you know won Stanley Cups, bring in vet, like vet, veterans like that, kind of like they did with Gianna when they brought Gianna here. Uh, but I just, I'm just, you know, I'm just sick and tired as a fan, just watching the same players come in here and just, just continuously lose. I, I just need change, man. I, 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 as a fan, I need change. And I just don't see the roster we have outside of Jack Olafson, possibly Sam and Darlene, uh, and Yoki Haru. Just, I don't see any, 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 any names outside of the, those I just, that I just named. Uh, being a part of the future of this team, or being a part of the solution of this team, you got to, you got to, you got to find, you got to find the answer somewhere else. I know yeah. you mentioned Jack Eichel, and I don't know. Again, I know, you know, we we have stuff that we want to talk about, and I don't know if this was on there, but do we at all want to address the uh, the the Eichel trade rumors? Is that no, something that that's, we no. we want to what? totally? That. Why why throw gas on that fire, man? It's just so stupid. There isn't a single team in the NHL that can honestly put together a package that doesn't get laughed at, in my opinion. Because, A, if you're putting together that type of a package, 
chances are you can afford the type of capital to give up to bring in a guy like Jack Eichel. So that means even if draft capital, just, just strictly talk about draft capital, it means those picks themselves are probably in the back half of the first round. Fuck no. I don't want to wait for a, a bunch of guys to possibly maybe develop. No, absolutely not. And then, and then who are you going to give up player now wise and prospect wise that are you going to be even equivalent to what Jack Eichel will do? Nobody, absolutely nobody. So don't even throw fire on the gas on that fire. It's just fucking stupid. It's absolutely fucking asininely stupid. I just had to throw it out there because it's been such a hot topic. And I was listening to them talk. I just don't understand why though. Because teams want them. Yeah, but yeah, but why? But you see, and we suck. I I get. They they think he's discontent. I, I get, I get it, like from the outside of Buffalo, but it's even coming from the inside of Buffalo. Like, why would you want to see that guy leave after you're seeing what he's capable of doing? I, we I haven't don't had know. A player I don't like know if it's inside of Buffalo. I mean, people who are talking about it are oh. kind of just like, like Tristan. They're acknowledging it because of mainly it's ridiculous. Stupid. Yeah. And that was again, that was my whole segment into that was like, you you you're on Twitter and Twitter is toxically just deadly. And you see Sabres Twitter. Yeah, you see people with yeah. these outland uh, like the, the the trade scenarios, and it's laughable. And but it's also and again, it's so it's so sad because we have arguably, and again, I would I would argue that he's the the most talented American player in the NHL right now, in right up there with Austin Matthews and Pat Kane. I I, I he's. 1A, 1B, you know what I mean? So, like, what it would take to actually, like, pull a player like him is, you know, you start out with three first-round picks, and then we talk about now, you know what I mean? It's, it's you're, you're out of your fucking mind. He could be three years away from his prime still. Like, that's not even ridiculous to say. He's no, still that young. Not, it just not. It feels like he's been here forever, and that kind of does lead everything. But, no, I think that's totally fair to bring up because it's all over the place. But I will say, it's funny because Sabres Twitter is typically all over the place. I think Sabres Twitter is actually pretty united in thinking that all these trade proposals and hypothetical trades are ridiculous. So it's good to see Sabres Twitter on the same front. Dwayne, you talked about turning losers into winners earlier. Well, we have action coming up, boys. Tristan, I know you're doubting it, but we could be just three weeks away from playoff matchups, quote-unquote Stanley Cup playoffs beginning. Well, three and a half weeks, to be fair. But, gents, have you looked at any of these series? Have you looked at Are you eyeing it up? Have you seen anything you like, any angles you're working on, uh, potentially any free money out there? I am ready to gamble away my child savings bond. I am so fired up because I have, I have just – I've been betting Korean baseball. Like, it's, like it's in my blood. You're a big and- dinos guy, I bet. Big dinos guy. Dinos, the Deuce and Bears. There's a lot of really good quality teams out there right now. The only problem that you run into with KBO is the bullpen. So you could be up seven to one in the bottom of the sixth, and then all of a sudden it turns out you end up losing ten to six. It's, it's KBO is the most unpredictable thing I've ever seen in my life, and I'm married, and I don't need it's incredible. So I have never been more excited, even just the thought about gambling on hockey. And just kind of looking into the 24 team, and we're going to talk about that too. I don't care anybody says, 
how the again how the numbers count towards playoffs statistics in this first round we're gonna we're gonna hit that too because that's something that drives me up a wall but um I'm a big fan I think I think Toronto gets knocked out early I'm a big fan I think Columbus has the nitty-gritty play style to make a run um Columbus is uh the underdog in that Maple Leaf series by the way what I'm telling you is, and again, here's the deal right now. I'm going to go right in on it just because we're talking about hub cities. And I just don't think Toronto has the defensive capability to, uh, to keep up with any of these teams because they'll just get dummy. They'll get bullied out of any series. I am going to throw a hefty amount of money, a hefty amount. We're talking, we're talking four potential units on Edmonton winning the West and winning the eastern or and win eastern you know i'll have a good one have another drink um and winning the stanley cup i very i feel very confident that this is a team that can make a serious push not just because they're in a hub they are the hub city but i think they have connor fucking mcdavid so can the Bruins do it? They've got a lot of years under their belt and making playoff pushes. They got a lot more years under their belt than these guys do. And you know what? You come off, you, you, you get into a playoff series and there's really no, there's essentially no like training camp. There's, you know, these guys are warming up now, but I think, I think Edmonton, Edmonton is my big, big pick. Plus twenty three hundred right now, if I'm not mistaken. So if you lay a hundred bomb on there, you're gonna win twenty three fine ones. Oh my gosh, Edmonton winning a Stanley Cup with McDavid—that would be the missile that Mike Harrington finally uses to to sink the uh, the tank loyalists in the COVID. Oh, Do you imagine if he did it in the if Connor McDavid wins the COVID Cup? It oh would my gosh, that would be ridiculous. Dwayne, any team uh, you're targeting potentially could make a well, run or maybe upset. I, I, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate to say this, but in the qualifying playoff round, I'm actually rooting for both Toronto and Pittsburgh only because I swear to God, if one of those teams win the first overall draft pick, I will officially just not watch hockey for a That's while. A fair I, point. I, wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to do it. If Toronto just lucks into Lafreniere or Byfield, I will lose my fucking mind. I, I, I like it. Just, it's just, I couldn't be able to handle it. Having that, then be able to field that team, and then having that guy on an entry level deal with the team they already have. Sorry, I just, I couldn't do it. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't real quick. It doesn't make me want that first overall pick to fail. But I've been saying this for a long time. I'm really, really, really high on um, on Tim Stutzel and Quentin Byfield. And in the back of my mind, for some reason, I've always, I've always looked at Lafreniere because he had a, he had a tough time coming into juniors. I think he had, he had a rough patch coming into juniors, but um, I always look at him as an Alexander Daigle. So if, if Pittsburgh or Toronto were to win that and they ended up drafting the next Alexander Daigle and he just never panned out in the NHL, just was never what was expected out of a first round or a first overall pick, that would make me almost more happy than anything in the entire world. Yeah, right. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I hope, I hope that, you know, he ends up being the next uh, Daigle, but I mean, Still don't want them. I, like I said, I've been saying it. I've been very adamant about it for a couple of months now that I think Quentin Byfield's the real number one overall, the number one pick. 
Like you, you can't, there's one thing you can't teach in sports and it's size. And that guy is the body of Eric Lindros, like straight up. He's, he reminds me so much of Lindros and Lindros was a generational talent. I'm not saying that's what Byfield is, but he has the build at the age of 17 to be a player just like that. You know, the type of, the type of game he plays. Um, It's an absolute unit, an absolute unit. Remember, remember when Ekblad was drafted and they called him a man-child? That's what Quentin Byfield is. He's a man-child. The guy yeah, already has the body to play in, in, the, in the national. But now, um, what, what do you think? Talk about, like, some of the series. Like, what do you, what do you think? Who are your sleepers? I mean, it, it, it's so weird because we're talking about 24 teams. So, anything can happen. Bro, the Columbus Blue Jackets knocked out the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're looking for a world of upsets and, and crazy shit to happen. What like what are your thoughts on that? I think I think there's a lot of pressure on Tampa to, to win right now, um, especially with what happened last year. So, I, 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 I honestly, I'm going to put my money on one of the top seeds. I'm going to say Tampa might take this whole thing just because um, they have they've had a lot of time to, to obviously a time to rest players. They have just so much marquee talent on that team. A world-class goaler, goalie, and goaler, goalie, and uh, Vasilevsky. Uh, yeah, goaler. Um, I, not I, I not good for your brand to be mis- mispronouncing that word. No, 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 no. Two goalers, one like. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I'm gonna put my money on Tampa. I just think that team is just st- so deep and so stacked, top to bottom. And um, you know, you've had all this time to to rest any type of lingering injuries, and that's huge. That's the yeah. biggest thing. You know, you play an 82-game season. Obviously, you didn't play 82 games this year. But you deal with injuries along the way. And you've had three, four, five months to rest these injuries, things that have been nagging you. I know um, Ryan Miller Ryan Miller mentioned, Ryan Miller mentioned uh, in an interview that he's been, he's been dealing with a, a wrist issue for, the, like, the longest time. And he nev- doesn't remember ever a time of playing hockey where he hasn't dealt with this issue. And now it's like, I, my hand, I, I'm, my hand's going to be 100% you know, by next season, because I've had this all this additional time to, to rest it. So um, that that plays a big part in it too. teams that might have been dealing with injuries. Um, but out of the east, I, out of the east, I like um, I like Tampa a lot out of the west. I might be on your train trust and I might say I might say uh, Edmonton and I hate saying that because I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I, I will not go on Twitter for three weeks. Out of fear, just hearing and having to hear Mike Harrington spout off about, you know, the tank didn't work. This, that, it doesn't matter if we got a world class center and Jack Eichel out of the whole thing. It didn't work because McDavid won a cup because that's the argument. You know, you know, we didn't get McDavid, so it didn't work. But we still got possibly, like you said, the best American in all of hockey right now. And in my opinion, the be- one of the best two way centers in the game right now. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does in his own end at all um how far he's come along in his own end since last the last two seasons um and just i think i think a top three center in the nhl right now i mean he's literally he's literally rudolph like holding holding on to these other shitty reindeer and fat santa like he jack eichel is our rudolph jack eichel is rudolph and and kim pagula and terry are santa claus being like don't you want the kids to have their presents but like no no order whatsoever in that one. But gents, we're we're rolling along real quick before we wrap it up here. I, I'm gonna say I do like uh, the Oilers in their first round series against the Blackhawks minus 170. 
Here's something I don't understand. Why are the Canadians such massive underdogs against the Penguins? There's a lot of talks right now. They don't know if Carey Price is going to be playing. Apparently, I, I thought he Price, was. Oh, he, he's, 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 back, he's not, back on the ice. He's back on he, the ice practicing, but uh, he's back on the ice. But they still don't know whether or not. I think a lot of it has to do with his kind of fifty-fifty status. And if Carey Price isn't playing, who? I mean, who? Who's behind him at this point? It's um. I'm not Shit, even sure. I, Some goalie who's about to get hot and win my Montreal Canadiens plus 195 series bet for sure. Who are they, who are they playing? That, the Penguins. Canadians, Penguins. Personally, if the, Canadians are smart, if the Canadians are smart, they just pack it in and just go for Lafreniere. That's my opinion. All right. Fuck that. Fuck. Fuck that. Are you kidding me? He's fr- bringing the French-Canadian boy uh, home first overall. Are you kidding me? Yeah, don't don't let that sells tickets in itself. Don't let Mike Harrington hear that you want to lose, folks. Shout out to everybody tuning in. Crossing Swords Pod. We're rolling along. It's the Fourth of July fallout this week. Stanley Cup playoffs, roughly three and a half weeks away. So we're keeping an eye out for that. Gents, how did I do? Did I do okay as guest hosting? Yeah, great. I gotta say, and I don't care what anybody says, because a lot of people say a lot of bad things about you. I'm not gonna go into that. Okay, but, thank you. <laughs> your 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 presence on the microphone and it, it's funny because people can't see you live right now and you look like an absolute beauty an absolute man rocket there's not a doubt in my mind but the the way that you project yourself in a microphone into the audience is extremely extremely impressive and I'll be I'll be totally honest with that we're I'm I'm terrified that WKBD EDW is going to is going to pick you up I'm never going to WKBDD double DW. I would never do it because this train never stops, obviously. But, gents, thanks for joining again. Anything uh, you think the viewers should keep an eye out for this weekend coming up? Dwayne, what do you got? Um, We're getting ready to drop over at Two Goalies, One Mike. I know Ty B has uh, been diligently working on the video that we worked worked on in uh, Degenerate uh, Al's backyard. We're getting ready to launch the tutorial video for to uh, gear down cooldown. Um, we're actually I uh, got my first video submissions today, and I must say uh, the the one the one I watched of a little kid in Toronto, even though he was wearing a Mariner jersey, was probably one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. So get ready to see that. We did just did an interview with Kelsey Newman, uh, Buffalo Buttes goaltender. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say that is a must listen uh, just for the fact of the entertainment value of it. I won't get too detail on, on air, but uh, it's definitely worth a laugh or two. Well, hold on real quick. So Dwayne, so we're, we're, we're talking about like exits at this point. Um, you, you and me have been talking a little bit about me hopping on two goalies, one mic. It gets me twelve to midnight, twelve uh, six to midnight. Just thinking about it. Can can we? Is it like censored? Can I go on there and really lose my shit? Absolutely. Can we lock up Dude, a date? Episode. Lock, absolutely. Can we lock episode, up a date? Tristan, episode one was three hours of me saying fuck. Right. So there's there's no reason to swear. Watch watch your swears. Um. So real quick, what can we lock up a date right now? What do you got? When 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 can I get on? When do you want to do this episode? I'm in, and I will. I'll have a couple of cocktails before it for sure. We like to we like to record Monday afternoons or evenings. 
Um, can we I do, can do really, I can really do any evening to be honest. It doesn't have to be Monday. Even evenings are tough. I have a child. When you say evening, can, can nine o'clock be an evening? That is part of the evening. Fucking rights. It is. That is part of the evening. I just wanted to make sure that your evening matched up with my evening. So can we lock it up this Monday, nine o'clock. I'm going to hop on. Absolutely. Let's go. Lay a, lay a couple of bombs. Have a good time. A couple of cocktails. Absolutely. Let's go. Oh, my go. gosh. I feel like a fly on the wall the first time that John Legend and Chrissy Teigen met. This is incredible. Keep an eye out for more goal content from Two Goalies on Mike. Keep an eye out for more content from Crossing Swords. Big shout out to uh, my guest slash co-host. I mean, I'm a guest host. So I don't even know. Big shout out to my guys, Dwayne Omania and the Funnel Father. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Shout out to everyone following out there. Make sure you're subscribing on all platforms. And if you don't want to get run into the boards, make sure you're following Crossing Swords. Good night now.